Welcome to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, where two best friends, aka us, tell each other stories about history, politics, and true crime, 725 miles apart. I'm Courtney. And I'm Ashley. And today we're going to finish our discussion on Puerto Rico. But first, um, update on Buddy the Cat. He is wearing a cone. He hates it. Like a, like a lot. Like by a lot, I mean he tried tried to escape um, out of the laundry basket when I was driving him home from the vet. Don't judge us. We don't have a cat carrier. My cat's too fat. Socks is really fat. And then I put I put him in the ba- back in the bathroom, and he just like re- tried to reject everything. And sometimes I come in there, and he's just sitting. He looks like the most miserable cat. <laughs> Poor buddy. Um, he did meet our cats. How that go? As well as you would expect. My cats ate other creatures, except for the rabbit a little bit. Feistiest albino rabbit you'll ever meet. And we love him. You see, I I, I get our pets famous via Snapchat because <laughs> they're the only ones home. Ugh. But yeah. Um, and then, Ashley, did you see this is a thing now? Glitter lattes? No, what? How did I miss that? Um, yes. That is right up my alley, I dude. Are you for real? I purpose. Yes. And I didn't know about it. I purposely did not tell you <sighs> and share anything on Facebook because I had to wait to tell you to this moment. Because <sighs> I, my question is, do you shit glitter after this? Well, I will try one and let you know. <laughs> I would assume. Not. I don't want to know. If it's edible, probably not. Does it taste different? Um, if it's edible glitter, maybe not. I don't know. I'm going to have to try one. Where do they make them? Tell me. I don't remember. I was just very disgusted I'm by it. I'm going to try one now. <laughs> maybe not next, maybe not this week, maybe not next week, but one day and it will be soon. Um, also, I sent this to you. What did you think of Jeff Goldblum discussing tattoos of him on people? So full disclosure, I saw that you sent that, but I didn't click on it. So let me go do that now. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. But then I never did anything about it. (laughs) Because I'm an awful friend. Mind you, we do send each other like 20 billion links a week. Yeah. Well, Ashley is becoming a better friend. (laughs) I'm such a dick. I would like to thank all our all our new listeners. Well, thank you. From place Yeah, some people we don't even know are listening now. So that's exciting. Yeah. So Ashley, now that you have <laughs> seen some of it, sorry, I'm a bad friend. What do you think? <laughs> You're gonna go watch it afterwards, I aren't you? It just makes you happy. I am. That was funny, though. I love him. Oh my god, he is fantastic. <laughs> That's a national treasure. Okay. Oh, he's such a national treasure. Now that we've thoroughly distracted ourselves yeah. with, let's oh. get our shit back together for a minute. So Puerto Rico, part two. Hit me with it. So we ended with the U.S. involvement in Puerto Rico, the Spanish-American War, which, tell you the truth, wasn't even originally about Puerto Rico. Did you know that? Maybe. I think, (laughs) realistically, most of my social studies classes reset after the Civil War, so... We got through, like, Reconstruction, and then it was the end of the school year, and then we would start up again with yeah. 
constitutional convention and all that stuff so you know oh my god it's all gonna be news can i buckle up so yeah the reason why the spanish-american war happened wasn't because of puerto rico it was because of lovely cuba and because spain was a declining empire at the time and cuba was so it's 90 miles from the u.s it's so close it's key and the u.s is on this big imperialism kick, you know, of the 19th century, which is always fun, 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 fun imperialism. <laughs> Again, if you have not watched, um, oh fuck, I'm going to forget the comedian's name. Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard. Yes. Watch his bit about maps and flags and European imperialism. Oh my God. It's great. It's fantastic. I highly suggest it. It's very good rationale of european imperialism okay but the reason why puerto rico in this little i'm gonna call it a tiff because i don't it's not long enough to be a war it was four months um was because the the island had another market for the u.s so they could put their manufactured manufactured goods out there and it's a really good um place for naval position so basically puerto rico it's another market for u.s goods and you know put a navy base on it put a flag on it claim that shit guantanamo well fun fact about guantanamo bay fidel actually cast the first check that the u.s sent him so therefore he fucked himself over yeah, but you did. know broke ass country what you gonna do gotta cast that check dude do you The rest of them apparently are just in some, like, somewhere in the capital. Okay, so, U.S. Navy Captain Alfred T. Mahan, Mahan? Mahanahanahan. Um, (laughs) Dude, I'm going with it, Mahanahanahan. Was the chief uh, strategist and advisor to the U.S. government. He's, like, a complete U.S. Navy guy, and he basically sets up the U.S. strategic doctrine for naval power for to become a military superpower. And so basically, the U.S. is going to become the top naval power replacing the British in order to assert their dominance like we like to do. And if people tell you America had an isolationist policy until World War II, bullshit. 110% bullshit. So, Manahan was the gent who advised President McKinley, aka Ohio President, what, what? Uh, like five, right? Five, four, I don't know, a lot. Anyway, we have the most, if I think if you go off of birth location, we're tied with Virginia. Fun fact. I like that you know that off the top of your head, <laughs> nerd. I think we also have the most assassinated president, so it's not great. Definitely the most astronauts. Everyone wants to get the fuck out of Ohio. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Why would we want to get the fuck out of Ohio? Oh, wait. Our river caught on fire. <laughs> Multiple times. Multiple times, yes. It's another time. Okay. So, in 1894, the first plans um, to have a military conflict with Spain... Espana were formulated in the U.S. Naval War College. And basically, the plan was to liberate Cuba. I'm going to tell you, the U.S. just likes to rehash ideas and say they're new, but they're not. We're liberating countries that don't need to be liberated at all. 
Yes. That seems like a pattern. Yes. What is it? Um, the sanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. We're very good at it. So the main theta of war would be in the Caribbean. So you have Cuba and Puerto Rico, the more financially profitable colonies. And then the U.S. plan would be to take out the Spanish Navy. Um, all of a sudden, because shit happens, um, the mysterious explosion of the main battleship in the Havana Harbor, February 15th, 1898. Sorry, I have like, I think like number dyslexia, not word dyslexia, just number dyslexia. Dyscalculia. Is that actually a thing? It's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. So, February 15th, 1898 was when the USS Maine blew up in the Havana Harbor. It was sent there to encourage the Spanish to liberate Cuba, aka leave. The ship that was sent there as a warning got sent to shit. Yeah, it was blown up. They've actually determined that it was probably an accident. Excellent. Yeah, that's like the coal, it, the coal fuel got too hot and it just exploded. But it killed about 300 U.S. Marines and it gave the U.S. a reason to go to war. 300 Marines, that's a fair reason. All yeah, right. and they blamed it on the Spanish. So this is where you hear, remember the main... It's not as catchy as Remember the Alamo. The hipster version. What? I said it's the hipster version instead of Remember the Alamo. It's Remember the Main because it's more obscure. Um, I remembered the Main instead of remembering the Alamo. Thank you. <laughs> I was remembering the Main when remembering the Alamo was cool. <laughs> okay. God, I want to kick myself in the face. <laughs> so, April 21st, McKinley formally requests that the U.S. declare war against Spain. And, I mean... Remember when presidents followed constitutional procedure for that shit? We haven't followed constitutional procedure for war shit since World War II, but that's a lot of long tangent that we don't need to get on. Um, so, even though the U.S. had some fuck-ups, tactical and logistical... The military superiority over the Spanish was so clear. That's why it lasted four months. Basically, the Spanish hadn't been keeping up to date. They were in debt. They had problems. You know, like we said, Napoleon took over Spain. Those kind of problems. Um, and on May 1st, the U.S. forces de defeated the Spanish in Manila Bay for the Philippines because the Philippines originally were a Spanish colony and weakened Spain significantly. The U.S. went and got ground troops into then the Philippines and Cuba and they realized they could take a lot more Spanish colonies. The U.S. landed in Cuba late June and by July 17th they had decimated the Spanish fleet in Santiago de Cuba Bay, and basically had control over all waterways in the Caribbean, which is pretty significant if you know your colonial history because Spain had that shit locked down. Locked down. So you think we have the Philippines and we have Cuba. We don't need anything else. Because uh, 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 uh. this is about Puerto Rico. And McKinley 
basically switched from Cuba to Puerto Rico and pretty much demanded it from the Spanish without compensation. So he's like, uh, bitch, we're going to put a flag in that and that's mine. He's like, we won. It's ours now. Bye. Hey, bye out of the Western Hemisphere. See you later. Declining imperial power. Empire won empire. That's cute. Um, It's really, it wasn't even necessary. Like, they knew the Spanish were going to wave the little white flag. It's pure American vindictiveness is what it is. But, you know. Like the Mexican-American war. But that's another story. Another time. Yeah. Okay. But let's get to Puerto Rico. How did the U.S. get there? We're going to have a lot of fun names that I'm probably going to fuck up because I want to. (laughs) I look forward to it. On July 8th. And remind you, we're still 18. What is it? 1898. This is not taking very long. But July 18th, General Nelson A. Miles, because he went from miles and miles, (coughs) commanded the U.S. forces invading Puerto Rico, and he get he gets those orders. They had about 18,000 troops with a naval escort from Guantanamo Bay and the east coast of the U.S. So, you know, they're just getting a bunch of troops okay. together. 21st of July, the a, a convoy of 3,300 soldiers and nine transports um, head from Cuba. Then... On July 25th, U.S. troops under General Miles disembark on Guanica, which is on the southern coast of Puerto Rico. July 26th, Brigadier General George Garrison and Guy, his middle initial is V, and I wanted to say five, sorry, but George Five Henry (laughs) arrived at Guanica and gained control of the key railroad, railroad lines connecting with Ponce, the largest city on the island. If you say toast again, I'm going to murder you. No, I'm laughing at the George Five. Guy <laughs> whatever Henry. his name was, Five. Guy Henry. <laughs> Guy five. Um, I love it. Cause he, no, because I went to Catholic school, so that would have been my first thought, too, is, oh, five. <laughs> like, it's a Roman okay. numeral, it's fine. Then General Miles and Miles' troops arrived in Ponce, and he remained in the city until early August and basically turned ruler over civil and military affairs on the island. So, military dictatorship. Woo-woo! Excellent. Mm -hmm. And then the French go, Hey, McKinley, we're here from the Spanish. Um, Can you stop? Stop with the fighting. Please stop. And he was probably like, no. And then he told them that their mother was a hamster and their father smelled like elderberries. (laughs) So, actually, this is getting closer to the end of hostilities. Remember, it's a four-month war. It doesn't take long. Meanwhile, July 27th, Major General James H. Wilson's division arrives in Ponce. The 28th, Miles and Miles issued a proclamation that the U.S., reason for being there was a banner of freedom seriously nothing changes so it's the same yeah so they're bringing they're bringing puerto rico freedom (sighs) which if you remember from the last episode puerto rico was kind of already on its way to being more independent 
they were on the edge of it. Well, um, Duque de Almodovar del Rio called for the U.S. annexation of Cuba. And then they had to uh, immediately recall troops from certain regions uh, back to the United States because there was an outbreak of yellow fever. So, you know, nice. I enjoy the little ironies like that. It just seems appropriate. So, the 31st of July, mind you, they landed basically the 21st. So, it's 10 days. 10 days later, another supply of troops led by Major General Theodore Chouchouan um, landed in Guanica and moved west, while Major General Brooke Brooke disembarked in Arroyo. At the beginning of August, you have Brooke troops moving through the countryside, seizing towns, and the U.S. forces are coalescing. They're meeting up, taking over different areas of Puerto Rico. But there's still resistance from Spanish troops that are hiding in the mountains. Remember, this is a mountainous island. It's not completely flat. However, August 11th, General Xixuan's troops occupied the city of Mayes and the U.S. Secretary of State Day and the French ambassador Camon, who represented Spain, negotiated protocols of peace. So they're working to end the war. And then the next day, McKinley and the French um, ambassador, again, Cabon, signed an armistice where Spain relinquished its sovereignty over Cuba, Puerto Rico, and the Philippines. So if you ever wondered if the U.S. was an empire, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. My favorite thing that I read was the fate of these countries would be decided during the peace talks. They didn't have a choice. I mean, that's like when the British drew the borders in Africa and they were like, eh, it'll be fine. We don't need to consult them. No, with oh, nothing to worry not. about here. And then there's chaos. So much chaos. So the shenanigan. They begin to halt attacks. Um, after in Puerto Rico, after they received the message of the armistice, then the September 9th, we're almost about a month and a half in to being in Puerto Rico. Um, the U.S. and Spanish commi- commissions met in San Juan to discuss the details of w- the withdrawal of Sp- Spanish troops and the cession of I- the island to the United States. The 13th, the Spanish Cortes, aka their Congress, ratified the Protocols of Peace. However, before they could reach San Juan, Spain had agreed August 13th to sign the peace treaty with the United States, putting an end to all hostilities. I just love that, like, you don't realize it now, but the fact that we have instant communication makes it really easy to end conflicts faster. So you don't have to wait for the news. It was finally ratified December 10th, 1989. 1889 it's finally ratified <laughs> December 10th 1889 with the Treaty of Paris if you want to really really freak yourself out a little bit google how many treaties of Paris there are there's so many or treaties of Versailles there's so many it's because it's just a lovely place to sign over your country's well-being to the victor of your war. I mean, obviously. That hall of mirrors, man, you get a real good view of yourself just bending over. <laughs> anyway. Oh my god, that's beautiful. 
So, so the formal transfer of Puerto Rico took two months. So from August to October. And that's when all the Spanish troops were gone and the U.S. flag was raised in the most public buildings on the island. Because remember, they had started getting some nice rights. Um, you want to guess what kind of government they got? I, I don't know. Democracy, maybe, if they're lucky. They got a military government! Yay! Oh, that's yes. not good. Also, I think this is one of the best deals the U.S. got besides um, the Louisiana Purchase. What did the U.S. get for the Treaty of Paris and to stop fighting the Spanish? I'm glad you asked. They took control over all former Spanish military operation, er, installations as well as 120,000 acres of formerly owned Spanish crown land on the islands. Uh, so, main military posts uh, were in several cities um, on the island, including the adjacent island of Vicens. Vicens? So, Yay! And this is on top of them getting, you know, the Philippines and Cuba, which Cuba got a shit deal. But the U- uh, Puerto Rico was under direct U.S. control until Congress ratified the Four Acre Law, uh, April 12th, 1900, bringing a civilian government to the island. Question, so, what's the Four Acre Law? The Four Acre Law is a U.S. federal law that established... Uh, civilian, limited civilian government on the island of Puerto Rico. Uh, it also establishes Puerto Rican citizenship. Oh, and guess what? It was called, it was known as the Four Acre Act after its sponsor, Ohio Senator Joseph B. Four Acre. Oh, okay. Yes. That's what I was mostly wondering was where the name came from. And of course, it's a dude from Ohio. It's always Ohio. Do we just like to fuck shit up? We're involved in everything. It's fine. Yes, because we're in the middle. Okay, so what was life like under U.S. rule? Um, also, fun fact, it is really hard to find shit about Puerto Rico after the Spanish-American War. So, academics work on it. Let's focus a little less on the Salem Witch Trials and a couple of you work on Every that. Every academic conference I went to, someone talked about witches legitimately they are fascinating but still okay um puerto rico and the u.s have a metropole colony relationship what that basically means is the metropole is the center where all the decisions are made uh, and they tend to pull goods and resources from the colony and they only normally send back finished products. So I'm sure a lot of people know their U.S. history. Think of the U.S. would send out cotton, timber, sugar, and they would get back like furniture, um, finished cloth, nice luxury goods. So before the Four Acre Act, it was a military-ruled country which always goes great but then the four acre act gave a limited civilian government um and that meant they could have a elected house of representatives 
as well as an upper house and a governor. But those were, well, the upper house and the governor could be appointed by the U.S. So basically we, I should, God. So basically the judicial system then was following the U.S. system where there was a Puerto Rican Supreme Court, a U.S. district court in the territory as well. Uh, it also gave Puerto Rico a non-voting member for Congress. And Ashley, you want to guess what they gave that person's title? Yes, guess something, anything. I No, I'm not going to guess because it's going to sound real dumb. You're going to say it, I'm going to know it. <laughs> okay, it was the title of resident commissioner who was also appointed. Yep, yeah. see. I just, it's the fact that all of these are, like, you have one popular like how so the house is popular vote and then your upper court your um mm-hmm. upper house and the governor appointed and your one person in, like and non-voting come on how cheap is that i mean it's the same thing that dc deals with now yeah all u.s laws are not locally inapplicable to puerto rico the exemption exemption from U.S. Um, internal revenue laws. So taxation. Yes. So they have some limited representation, and taxation is limited as well, or is well, just completely based on not their a factor local for them. limited government. So, you know. Yes. Okay. Um, so limited then. Yeah. Okay. That's. I mean, that seems fair-ish. The civil government can legislate on all matters of legislative characters not locally inapplicable, which means power to modify, repeal any laws already in existence in Puerto Rico. But the U.S. Congress retained the power to annul acts of the Puerto Rican legislature. Fuck, man, really? You know. Come on. Who doesn't? All right. I mean, I couldn't expect any less, really, but come on. Um, however, um, addressing the Puerto Rican legislature in 1906, President Teddy Roosevelt recommended that Puerto Ricans become U.S. citizens. So he's trying to give them equal rights under the law. TR did a lot of good things, a lot of bad things. Fought in the Spanish-American War. He also... Oh, God. I'll have to do an episode on him. Listeners. Uh, I would say if you really would love an episode on Teddy Roosevelt make sure to tweet it Facebook it whatever your social media method of choice is to us do it, do it. <laughs> hashtag tell us about TR <laughs> um, so in 1914 aka year of World War One, the Puerto Rican House of Delegates voted ununanimously in favor of independence from the United States, but was rejected by the U.S. Congress as unconstitutional and as a violation of the Foraker Act. So they're still trying. Still trying. Um, 1917, the uh, Congress passed the Jones-Shafroff Act, popularly called the Jones Act. I wonder why. <laughs> um, which granted Puerto Ricans born before, after April 25th, 1898 U.S. citizens. So they have citizenship, in case you were wondering. They sure do. Opponents who voted against it 
which was most of, well, pretty much all of the Puerto Rican House of Delegates, uh, said that the U.S. imposed citizenship in order to draft Puerto Rican men into the U.S. Army as American entry in the First World War became more certain. So, you know. I mean, they're probably not wrong. Oh, I, I probably could guarantee that they're not wrong. It sounds like some shady shit we'd do. It does sound so like such a U.S. shady thing. Okay. Actually, you know what? It sounds like a British thing to do. <laughs> well, we did learn from the best. Oh, we did. Okay. So, same act, the Jones Act, also provided for a popularly elected Senate to complete the bicameral legislative assembly, as well as a Bill of Rights. So, some good things. Um, the U.S. is relinquishing control very slowly, as well as authorizing popular election of the resident commissioner to a four-year term. So, it's no longer appointed. Uh, this will seem really... I don't know why it seems really, really pertinent now. So then natural disasters, including a major earthquake and a tsunami in 1918, several hurricanes, and the Great Depression severely impoverished the island during those first few decades under U.S. rule. And some of the political leaders, including Pedro Abuzu Campos, who led the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party, had demanded change in relations with the U.S. during this period as well. They pro- He protested um, at the University of Puerto Rico in 1935, where four were killed by police. So we see the Puerto Ricans are still fighting for their independence, just like they did before the U.S. had control. Um, in 36, a U.S. Senator, Millard, oh, I'm going to call it tidings, but <laughs> it's spelled weird. It's spelled so weird introduced a bill supporting independence for Puerto Rico, but it was imposed by Luis Mundos Marí of the Marín of the Liberal Party of Puerto Rico. Um, so he had also, Tidings, just so you know, had also co-sponsored the Tidings Duffy Act, which had provided independence to the Philippines after a 10-year transition with limited autonomy. So he had already worked out how to get other countries their independence after the Spanish-American War. Basically, enjoy this. Uh, All the Puerto Rican parties supported this bill. So, the bill by Millard Tidings, um, except for Mundos Marin, and it did not pass. And we see again in 37, Campos's party organized more protests where people were killed by police in Ponce, um, and the insular police, a.k.a. their National Guard, had opened fire upon unarmed cadets and bystanders. So it's not a peaceful rule over Puerto Rico by any means. So the this attack on unarmed protesters was reported to, the US, to a U.S. congressman, Vito Marcononi, mm-hmm. and um, actually was confirmed by the Hayes Commission. And the Hayes commission was led by Arthur Garfield Hayes, who counseled the American Civil Civil Liberties Union. So that protest had 19 people killed and 200 badly wounded who were shot as they ran away, which is really, really sad. So the Hayes Commission actually declared that it was a massacre and police mob action, and it became known as the Ponce Massacre. April 2nd, 1943, 
tidings, again, introduced a bill calling for independence for Puerto Rico, but it was ultimately defeated. So this tidings guy isn't horrible. He's trying to get these areas to gain their independence, but for Puerto Rico, it's not working very well. Okay. So during the Roosevelt Truman administrations, there was a compromise with the island leadership um, with Luis Mundos Marin and other Puerto Rican leaders. Mm-hmm. And actually in 46, Truman appointed the first Puerto Rican-born governor, Jesus T. Pinero. So we're seeing some change at the end of the 40s. It's kind of sad that it took that many, like that long for them to have a Puerto Rican-born. like About 50 wow. years. Yeah, and before that even. Yeah. But so, wow. Yeah, it's really, really shocking. Yeah. Um, in '47, uh, Puerto Ricans gained the right to elect their own governor, and in '48, Luis Munoz Marin, remember the one person who objected to tidings, mm-hmm. um, independence bill, became the first popularly elected governor of Puerto Rico. Hmm, I wonder if there's a connection there. Okay, so then a bill was introduced to the Puerto Rican Senate, which would restrain the rights of the independence and nationalist movements on the island. And the Senate was controlled by the Popular Democratic Party, PPD, and was presided over by, can you guess who? Mm, was it the guy who opposed the bill? Yes, Luis Mundos Marin. Yep. I knew um, it was a double M name. I couldn't... Yeah. M&M. M&M, yep. Um, the bill, which is known as the gag law, or Ley de la Moresa, was approved by the legislature May 21st, 1948. And this is... I'm sorry. It gets worse. <laughs> Of course it, it made it I only bring you happy stories. Um <clears throat> it made it illegal to display the Puerto Rican flag, to sing a pro-independence tune, to talk of independence, or to campaign on independence. Excellent. Loving that first amendment. Yes. This then was made into law June tenth of that year, and it says and this is a quote from the law. In accordance with this law, it would be a crime to print, publish, sell, exhibit, organize, or help anyone organize a society, group, or assemble of assembly of people whose intentions are to paralyze or destroy the insular government. Anyone accused and found guilty of disobeying the law could be sentenced to 10 years in prison or be fined 10000 U.S. dollars or both. Yikes. It's a steep penalty. Yeah, especially if you consider... I mean, that's steep today, let alone what the dollar was worth back then. Oh, yeah. Especially, think about it. I said Puerto Rico was already in financial difficulties right. at that point. Right. So it's not like they just have 10000 hanging out, lying around. To do with God, I, wish I, I wish I had 10000 to hang around mm-hmm. with. That would be nice. Um, but there was fight back... Um, Dr. Leopold Figuera, a member of the Puerto Rican House of Representatives, uh, 
said that the law was repressive and in violations of the First Amendment, uh, the U.S. Constitution, which guarantees freedom of speech. He is and and he also said it was a violation of the civil rights of the people of Puerto Rico. Also correct. The law was repealed in fifty seven, so it almost made it a decade. Wow. Yes. All right. Feeling really good right now. (laughs) Um, In nineteen fifty, Congress granted Puerto Ricans the right to organize a constitutional convention mm -hmm. via referendum that gave them the option of vote their preference yes or no uh on a proposed law that would organize puerto rico as a commonwealth which would continue having u.s sovereignty over puerto rico and its people the electorate expressed its support for the measure in 51 and it was formally adopted um july 3rd 1952 on february 4th 1952 the convention approved resolution 22 which chose in English, the word commonwealth, which is a politically organized community simultaneously connected by a compact or treaty to another political system. Then again, in 1967, the Puerto Rican Legislative Assembly pulled the political preference of the Puerto Rican electorate by passing a plebiscite act that, pro- <laughs> that provided for a vote on the status of Puerto Rico. Basically, they gave the citizens three options commonwealth statehood independence what do you think what was the result ashley in 67 i'm betting it was independence and i'm betting it didn't go over well actually in most of the time commonwealth wins hmm interesting okay so commonwealth wins but there is no actual formal commitment by the u.s to honor (laughs) the results so basically we're saying you can have your little election, but if we don't like the result, we're not going to acknowledge it as legally binding in any way. Sounds about right. Uh, yeah. Oh, I do like the none of the above option, <laughs> which was the popular Democrat. So the Democratic Party sponsor choice won in 1988 with 50.3% of the vote. <laughs> it was none of the above. Yeah. Oh. Uh. I wish we could vote for none of the above in elections sometimes. And then they would have to like, you'd have like a six month election where different people, like the same people couldn't run. So we're going to have some fun now. October 30th, 1950, Pedro Campos and other nationalists led a three day revolt against the United States and various cities and towns of Puerto Rico. And it is known as the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party Revolts. Of the 1950s. It, one of the more notable, we'll just pick a couple of the notable cities that uh, participated in the revolts. Um, the Jayua revolt, known as the Jayua uprising, actually had the governor declare martial law and attacked the insurgents with infantry, artillery, and bombers. Whereas uh, the Yutayo uprising is now known as the Yutayo massacre so you can uh guess how that went um as well november 1st 1950 some puerto rican nationalists from new york city um Grisido Torresola and oscar cozado uh, attempted to assassinate president harry s truman at his temporary residence of blair house which i didn't know truman had assassination attempts against him so that was new for me, Torres Olola was killed during the attack, and 
Gonzalo was wounded and captured. He was actually was convicted of murder and sentenced to death. Truman actually commuted his sentence to life. And after 29 years, President Jimmy Carter commuted his sentence to time served and he was released in 1975. So the final constitution of Puerto Rico was approved by a constitutional convention, February 6, 1952. And 82% of the voters approved it in a March referendum. So it was approved by Truman on July 3rd of that year and was proclaimed by Governor Munoz Marin um, July 25th, 1952. And this is the anniversary of the U.S. landing in troops in Puerto Rico during the Spanish-American War, which until then was celebrated as a... Wait, wait, wait. Um, until that point was celebrated as an annual Puerto Rican holiday. <laughs> All right. We see in the 50s and 60s, uh, there's rapid uh, industrialization and it's mainly from um, Operación Manos a la Obra, a.k.a. Operation Bootstrapped, and it was an offshoot of the New Deal, and it was to create Puerto Rico into a manufacturing-based economy instead of agriculture-based. Okay. And it made Puerto Rico a tourist destination as well as a global center for pharmaceutical manufacturing. However, like the problems that like were already initiated with the U.S. control of them appointing people – that's kind of why Puerto Rico has these problems. You see like a select group of people getting power and then the shift from agriculture to manufacturing pushed a lot of people like local farmers and the smaller economy mm-hmm. and actually ended up hurting a lot. And on top of the just traditional land use problem of Spanish, former Spanish colonies. Right. But that brings us up to a more modern day Puerto Rico. Um, where you see the problems kind of just continue to spiral out of this fight for this continuing fight for independence by some pride in their country, but they don't like they don't want to leave the U.S. because there's there could be problems with that financially, and all of this kind of really is now coming to head because we have Hurricane Maria, which devastated the island, and they already didn't have the money to maintain what they have yeah okay so thank you for listening to cult of domesticity uh we are available on itunes google play chorus podbean soundcloud other sources um if we are not on your preferred listening method let us know so we can fix that and remember to rate review and subscribe on itunes because it really is the best way to gain um traction check us out on facebook and twitter at domestic podcasts to get the episode tip recipe of the week and additional information about the week's topics if you'd like to suggest a recipe or topic email us at domesticpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com long distance high five long distance high five that was well done